0: now welcome to the cattoons podcast i'm your host katherine corelli On this podcast, I'm going to talk about the stories behind my songs, the production tools that I've used, the production methods that I've employed, the instruments that I've played, the instruments that I've discovered, the arrangement methods that I've used, the real-life stories which precipitated the creation of my entire albums or of my separate tracks. So let's jump right into it, shall we? And uh, welcome you listening to the Cattoons podcast. This is uh, episode eighty. Today we're going to be talking about a song called "Dark Singer" from the same uh, Outer Gehenna album. "Dark Singer" was a song was one of the first songs that was written, and uh, it was originally not written for the album; it was just written as a standalone track. And um, I didn't know where would it take me from there because I didn't know uh, at the time. It was like in um, summer or spring 2008. That's when I was working on it. I just had this haunting melody from the intro, which later became the intro. And just like with Sword Cry," I was practicing some uh, speed rapping and that kind of stuff. And then I thought, well, maybe I can just kind of practice my rapping to it, which I did. For a while, and for a long while, for months, um, this the original sketch was sitting on the hard drive without, you know, without any traction. Until 2008, as far as I remember, when uh, I started consciously putting songs together with the purpose of making it into an album, and um, this is when the title Dark Singer emerged. And uh, the reason for that was because. Uh, because of all of my history and uh, my intimate relationship with the darkness. Uh, I'll give you one story to illustrate this strange relationship. I had an interesting bonding experience with, uh, I don't know, the darker side or just the quiet of the dark. Both when I was a kid and then later on in 2007, uh, no, in 2008, Uh, in spring 28 when I was living in the basement Uh, I was mentioning that basement several times on this podcast Um, I've lived there for a couple of months and it was quite a deep basement in the center of the city not in the center but you know uh, somewhat in the center of Moscow Uh, I was living there temporarily because didn't have anywhere else to live so um, it was a huge basement my my half of the basement was really large and empty there used to be a topography based um, in that basement right before i moved in and they took everything including doors and um, even the um, the ceilings whatever you call those uh, ceilings which you you know they're kind of like square shaped and they're mounted on those sheets of white um, asbestos i don't know what are they um, they took even that. They took everything. They took all the chairs, all the furniture. There was one single old chair left, and it was kind of crooked and kind of squeaky and whatever. And it was the only piece of furniture that I had for a long time. So, um, it was amazingly dark there, and amazingly quiet. Uh, once uh, you close the steel door, which, le- which led to the surface, and uh, uh, barred the door, uh, then you descended down uh, into the basement, and then I had another door uh, that led to m- into my side of the basement, basically, my half of the basement. It was dead quiet. You couldn't hear anything. It was like being in a crypt, or being in a grave, basically. And it was absolutely dark. There wasn't a single window. It was pretty deep underground, And the only single window there was, was, like, whatever you call it, a listening window or something like this, I don't know. The building was built uh, in the early 50s or maybe in the 40s. And it was a large building, a multi-apartment building. And some part of that building was designated to, you know, stores and that kind of stuff. And I was in the basement where topography used to be. So, uh, let me say I slept very well there, and it was a very strange place, uh, and it was a very weird experience to live there. I've had a mirror um, without a frame, which I just put up against the against the wall, and um, sometimes when I would wake up, and you know, and every time that you would wake up, you wouldn't know if it's day, or if it's still night, or is it morning, or whatever, dusk or dawn, you wouldn't know that immediately. You would have to check on your phone to see, or you would have to kind of go upstairs and open the door and see for yourself if you're out of charge. Otherwise, you wouldn't know because it's like living on somewhere in space. You don't know, you lose track of time. It's always dark down there. And uh, the only light you have is, you know, the, uh, the electric light. And, um... Unlike in apartments or other places or offices, you have just one set of large switchers, of large like a large switchboard or whatever you call it, I don't know, large switches. Um, a few steps upwards uh, in this, in this in that little staircase somewhere there. And uh, it illuminates the entire basement at once. Uh, You can't turn on parts of the basement separately. So uh, you're basically in the dark until you go and find the switch, the switchboard. So I was doing some weird experiments down in that basement and I had a very strange feeling going on because, you know, for the first night I was kind of freaked out and the second night, first week was really strange. And while I was there, I wanted to make myself more or less comfortable because that was the place where I lived and I didn't know for how long am I stuck there. Um, I wanted to make that place cozy, so I started drawing some artwork on uh, pizza boxes on the uh, on the inside of the pizza box. So on the outside it would have some, you know, branding and whatever, but on the inside it would be clear cardboard. So I found... at uh, um, On that same street there was like uh, trash bins and that kind of stuff. And uh, I found there in that pile uh, some clean cardboard. And I brought that cardboard in with permanent markers I've drawn some artwork. And uh, I was covering the ceiling. Uh, I was putting those cardboard... Sheets instead of the asbestos sheets that were supposed to be there. I was covering the ceiling because I just wanted to feel a little cozier. You know, when I'm looking upwards, I wanted to know that there are the characters that I've drawn. So it was kind of like, uh, not that I feared anything, but I felt that this is underground and uh, it's almost like a spiritual place of sorts. And uh, the building was built in the 40s, and uh, Moscow was built, basically built on bones. There is a lot of uh, people that died. Uh, and are buried in that soil. It's a very historic place. So, I felt that this is kind of like a, a strange place. It's a troubled place. That's how I felt about it. So, I needed to guard my sleep, and so I've drawn those characters, very primitive kind of drawings with permanent marker, and uh, I put them as guards, Um Instead of the ceiling, those, you know, cardboard pizza boxes with artwork. And then I was looking into the mirror, and that was very strange because you can barely see anything at all. Once you get used to the darkness, which is complete darkness, your senses tune in, and uh, you develop some sort of intimate bond with it. Um, It's a very strange feeling. It's almost a supernatural feeling. And I don't want to overthink this, but um, it's a challenge, and it's a very interesting challenge. Um, I was trying to look into that mirror, and I was trying to see things in that mirror, because since I was a little kid, I had this belief that if you look into a mirror in the dark, you can see things which you normally would not see with the normal noise uh, and uh, chatter and Uh, flickering lights of daylight you wouldn't see that or you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to see pierce the veil and see uh, into the other side but I had this belief even back then in 2008 maybe a childish belief maybe not I don't know that if you look carefully maybe you will see something maybe you will get a message from the other side it sounds pretty paranormal Uh, I get it but uh, I've had an event. Uh, but I've had an event in my life in 2007 when um, I was in a different part of Moscow, and uh, I was with a friend, and um, the power went out in that building. I was working as a babysitter back then, and uh, we were sitting in the kitchen in like uh, around three in the morning, three and something, almost four. And uh, we're talking about some very emotional stuff. Uh, Some girl talks. And we're cooking something on the electric stove. We're cooking some raviolis, as far as I remember. They were almost ready. And then the power goes down all of a sudden. It was like a local uh, outage. I don't know, something happened, whatever. It wasn't a thunderstorm, just something went down. So, uh, the power went out for like... um, for like 15 or 20 minutes. So we're sitting there in the dark and we're talking um, and smoking and, um, and then at some point I turn around uh, to pick something off the table where I had my computer and monitor um, which went down too, of course. And I had a little round mirror there. So I look into that mirror briefly and first I think that I see myself but then it turns out that it wasn't me. I've seen my mother in that mirror briefly. It was like... Less than a second. Or maybe a second, something like this. Uh, I've seen her face very, very clearly. And I had this feeling that something is happening somewhere, but I couldn't tell. And so I turned around back to my friend, and we continued sitting in the dark and talking, and I just told her what I've seen in the mirror. And uh, then literally ten minutes later I receive a text message on my phone from one of my estranged brothers um, and he tells me that my mother is gone she was sick with cancer and uh, I received this text message and he basically confirms that she just passed away so what that means is that she passes away and then I don't know, in in her last moments or after that, I coincidentally see her face in the mirror in a a different part of the city. She died died in a hospice um, and uh, my other brothers and uh, her husband were by her side. What to make of it, I don't know. And uh, is it a coincidence or is it not a coincidence? Or is there something that you can see in mirrors uh, in the dark something that you don't normally see or something that you cannot grasp um, when there is too much light around. I don't know. I know what to make out of it. I'm not a. am not into paranormal stuff at all. I rather consider myself quite a rational person but I've had instances like this and I don't know what to make of it. So this was in uh, on July 4th 2007 and then I was living in this basement in spring 2008, so that was almost a year later. And naturally, I have this thing about the mirrors. So now that I'm left in this complete darkness, I kind of experiment because I'm curious about my future and I'm curious to know what awaits me. Where am I going and uh, what spirits are accompanying me, so to speak? What forces are guiding my life? uh, Or what forces are lurking in the shadows on the outskirts of my life, to put it this way. And that's how I felt about it. Ah, and I was trying to look in these mirrors. And uh, what I'm describing in this song, I'm actually getting back to Dark Singer. Um, when I was writing this song, Dark Singer, later that fall in 2008, I was in a relationship um, with my first boyfriend, which was a very tumultuous relationship. Um, A lot of the things that are written in the lyrics to Dark Singer, uh, they combine whatever was going on within that relationship. But they also uh, draw on uh, everything starting way back in my childhood and my relationship with the dark side. Dark side or just the other side, the other side of things, the shadows and sometimes even when i was a kid i would question if uh is it that i am here on the real side of things and it is unreal on the other side or is it the other way around and i still had that lurking feeling uh in 2008 if if you if you stay in the dark for long enough and you stand in front of that mirror and you can, and you carefully watch and you don't need to take anything for that you just Get yourself into a situation like this and try it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my mind playing tricks on me. Maybe it's just part of human nature. Maybe we start imagining things once we um, push our limits as far as seclusion and and as far as loneliness or isolation. But um, that's what I've experienced when you spend hours upon hours upon hours, and sometimes you don't even peep out outside, you're just you just on the ground. And, uh... First you're kind of freaked out, and then you're... You want to run away. And then at some point, there is something else. There is this... Uh, you're excited. You're drawn towards this darkness, and you want to know more. Because you have seen things before, and you couldn't explain them. So it kind of pulls you in. And then... Of course you're kind of afraid, but then you figure that the best way to deal with it is to form some sort of pact or some sort of bond with this darkness and give that darkness the darker part within yourself so that they can bond, whereas you can observe this kind of mentality. So you kind of bond with the light, uh, with the light uh when everything is illuminated with the sun and you find that within yourself and you bond with that and then when it's dark and when it's night you allow your darker, uh, your shadow self to bond with that darkness. So uh, in 2008 I just basically wrote down a few, a feeling that I had or multiple feelings uh, about and it doesn't pertain to one particular event. Uh, the lyrics in the song, they are all over the place, and they're about a lot of things, about a lot of people, a lot of experiences, and not only people. Um, I lie in the dark, and it's soothing to me. I crawl in the dark, and it's tripping me. There is this sense of that darkness is almost like a living creature, same as the light is almost like a... It's an energy, it's like a... Mm, like a spirit... Of sorts, it's alive. These things, darkness and light, they are not immaterial. There is this sense of that they are actual material things. You can sort of feel them. They have a different energy to them. And I don't know if I uh, weird you out with saying this, but you know, that's how I felt about it. And that's what I was trying to depict in this song. And then the um sort of Armenian slash Persian um musical uh, flavors of this track. This was just a natural route that I've taken. I just I just felt this way. Uh, the melody, uh, the opening intro melody, and then the uh, melody in the hook, which doesn't have any lyrics at all. And then the hook, which doesn't have any lyrics at all. All of that's... it's mysterious, it's dark in itself, and it's mystifying. That's how I felt about darkness, and that's how I still do feel about darkness, and about a lot of things that are out there, which are immaterial or sort of border on the immaterial and material. Um, The spiritual realm, in other words. So, well, a concept like this called for mysterious music and for mysterious lyrics And they're quite sultry. Um, I'm not going to read the the entire text, but uh, you can find my lyrics on Genius.com. Look for Catherine Corelli, Catherine with a C, Corelli with a C, Genius.com. This is where you can find lyrics to all of my released songs. And uh, with that being said, let's move on to the next section and uh, do some music analysis, whatever there is to analyze, shall we? So Dark Singer is uh, in the key of C minor, for the most part. Occasionally there is one section which switches to C major, but that's just an exception. Uh, The song overall is in C minor, not just any uh, kind of C minor, though, as we will learn soon. Um, The original version of Dark Singer is is in 96 BPM. The reason why I'm saying the original version, because um there is the old, ancient uh original version, which is not currently released. Uh it had some poor production. Um a version that is close to the original original is currently released. Uh, and on the album that is on the version of the album that is called uh out again. So this Dark Singer, yes, it is in C minor and it has ninety six BPM to it. There are other versions. There is a Dark Dancer version, which is um, in the same key, but it is uh, in uh, one hundred and five or one hundred and six BPM, something like this. And it wasn't; uh, it was a bonus track for um, the Through the Gehenna Deluxe twenty sixteen. Um, release. And I think that I will include this special dance version of Dark Dancer um, on the future remake of Into Gehenna. And speaking of Into Gehenna, Into Gehenna was conceived as a big remake, a, a heavier remake, an alt-rock Slash hip hop slash industrial remake of the Into Gehen album. So, and it's by the way going to be the next album that I'm going to be working on. Uh, so, there also is a heavier version of this song, Dark Singer. It is in the same key of C minor, but uh, the BPM is 105. It's faster. So, this one is the original version or the closest to the original version in 96 bpm c minor it's the quietest most mysterious version basically so um let's listen to the intro and then um i will comment Starts with uh, some cellos uh, which are playing something like this. This first round um, of eight uh, eight measures is just this harmonic progression, just the chords, and they're empty chords. They're all fives and fours, so you can't tell if it's going to be a minor key or a major key. It's kind of ambivalent, just like with the darkness. You see, so there is a C, then there is a an E, probably major, then an E flat again, probably major then an A-flat, probably major, G, and a D-flat. And then there are two more rounds. And on those two rounds, there's a flute that joins and a little bit of um, some background pad or something. And now we can feel the colors of the chords a lot better. So it goes approximately like this. not being precise because the flute has a lot of these pitches and long notes and whatnot uh, but it gives you the feel so it's it is a c minor which goes into an e major into an e-flat major an a-flat major plus seven g major with a minus nine Minus seven, and it kind of fluctuates between major and minor. And then we're going into the verse, and um, let's listen to the verse. Um, I think I'll play it verse, hook, and the first bridge, uh, and then we'll then I will comment. I
1: enter the dark and it covers me. I walk in the dark and it shudders me. I talk to the dark with sincerity. I sing in the dark and then I can see. The toughest, destiny, the strong and the weak. The common struggle of feet, the tight pulse of a bleak. I just have to sell.
0: The verse um, goes against, uh, it. it um, after sort of showing a little bit of action on the intro, everything again subsides uh, when the first verse kicks in. So it's again down to uh, fifths and fourths in something that sounds like a cello. hook after this hook sort of straightens itself out and there are just less chords there, but it's the same chords in a different order. So there is C minor. This is an odd one because there is an E major going on, an E major uh, plus 7. But because is singing a G there, it sounds dissonant and then there is a passing chord which is uh, E flat, E flat major and then it goes back to C minor So this time we're going from from C minor to A flat minor, and again uh, third line. Fourth line in the hook. This ambivalence here again. Fifth upwards, C, G. And here it goes E flat, E natural, E flat, or if you will, E flat, F flat, E flat. It's again an A-flat-minor which is, which, because the melody makes it an A-flat-minor plus seven. And then the melody leaps up to a B natural and the chords move to a D-flat, which means that, because of that uh, natural B on top, that means that this is a D-flat-major minus seven. Basically. and that's the hook let's listen uh all the
1: way to the end and then i will card what the chocolate attack is to me away through the dark and it sings with me i play with the dark and it strengthens me
0: Basically, as you can hear, not see, but hear, um, the second verse is the repetition of the first one, almost exactly, with slightly different instrumentation. Then the second hook is a double hook, basically. Oh, before, uh, right before the second verse, first there is a bridge, and then bridge has that C major there, that one single place in the song where there is this break after the first hook, right? And it goes. the hook ends And here we are in C major. Go into an uh, go into an E major into an E flat major A flat major plus seven with a minus nine uh, D-flat major and then after that we're going into the second verse and second hook and the second verse is basically the same, I don't even have to play it Uh, same as the first verse, the hook, again same story Now, what kind of minor is going on here uh, since it's the same stuff you know the verse repeats itself basically and the hook is exactly the same there's no change it's just the intensity of the instrumentation and uh, the dynamic intensity increases and that's it basically and then by the way after that um hook which this time is a double hook there is the last third verse which is like an afterthought it's just a watered down version of the first verse, basically, musically speaking. Same chord progression again, and then in the very, very, very end, there is a reiteration of the intro uh, of the same melody, of the same chord progression, it kind of di- dies out in the dis- distance. So, but what kind of minor are we in? Now, what is actually the proper way to call it, to name these things? Because I was, for simplicity, I was um, naming chords like E major. How can you have an E major in C minor? Well, if you're being strict theoretically, you can't really. So, there is a C minor. Then this is not really an E major plus 7. It is rather an F flat major. Um... I would say that this is an F-flat major uh, plus seven. That's what I would call it. Which means that uh, this is not an E but an F-flat that this is not an A-flat but... Oh no, it is an A-flat. F-flat, A-flat, C-flat, E-flat That's what it is. Then the next chord, we're going back to the normal third uh, in the key of C minor, which is E flat major. Then A flat major, G. So this is normal, right? The sixth, albeit it's a plus seven chord. The G major with the minus nine and even this little addition, that's normal, too. Again, this is uh, basically a tritone replacement um, that follows after the dominant chord. If G major is the dominant chord in C minor, then... Uh, the D flat major would be the tritone addition or replacement or whatever the term is uh, to G major. Uh, now about the scales that are used uh, in this song. The melody of the hook is amazingly straightforward. Doesn't really use much of any chromatic uh, additives. Now, this one, here's where it gets interesting, because this is kind of sounds like like it's natural minor, basically, right? Now, this is a combination of um, natural and um, harmonic minor. the harmonic minor scale, which would be uh, C minor harmonic minor would be this C, D, uh, E flat, F, G, A flat, B natural, C. Now what happens here throughout this song, and it kind of fluctuates between different versions of the same scale. First of all, the fourth is lowered. Uh, It's a flat fourth, so F becomes A flat. So that changes up things a little bit, but that's not all because it also has it's also a combo with a Phrygian uh, touch to it. So the second is flat two, which means we have a D flat as well, and then all of that is also combined with occasional harmonic minor. So in the end, you have C, D flat, which is a Phrygian uh, little additive, E flat, then the lowered fourth. The fourth flat, which is an F flat, which creates this half tone, tone, half tone pattern in the lower section uh, of the scale. And then starting from the fifth, starting from G, it also has half tone, tone, half tone. they call tetrachords? I don't know the terminology, the correct terminology for this, so I'll just say um, two identical groupings. Um, One that starts from the first uh, step of the key in the root, and the second that starts on the fifth. G, A-flat, B-flat, B natural. And all the implications that that carries with it. So, when you have uh, an A-flat, it becomes, naturally, it can become, because of the uh, harmonic minor occasionally, it can become a minor. And this is where uh, the D-flat major takes its minus seven from. Again, from the same B-natural on top there. This is also where uh, the uh, f flat major plus 7 occurs because now if we just now we'll have to name this not a B natural but a C flat probably Um, but this is where it comes from too So, um, this song utilizes a combination of chromatic minor, which in itself is the uh, sharp 7th of the key. But that's not enough, right? So, in addition to that, we have a um, flat 2nd and a flat 4th. This is basically the analysis for the the music analysis for this track, and uh, with that being said, let's move on to the next section, shall we? can hear Dark Singer is a, um, well, it is indeed a dark track. Um, It is sultry, it is mysterious in a way, it is spiritual in a way, it is immaterial in a way, and kind of material at the same time. It's sort of on the verge, it's somewhere in the shadows, and there is a lot going on uh, in it musically, even though there is a lot of repetition, and basically the parts of the song, like the verses, are all just the same um, just the instrumentation is slightly different, but the chord progressions are exactly the same. The melody of the hook is exactly the same, as the, there is no, uh, no change in the melody really. Um, and it's a short song. It's not like a prog art rock kind of song. No, it's pretty straightforward. And um, however, that's what it is, uh, and it is peculiar in its own in its own way. Now I have to say that. After I'm done with Take the Jive album, um, with the remake of the uh, Take the Jive album, which I'm working on right now, I will be heading towards um, doing the full, heavier, alternative rock um, remake of uh, Out of Gehenna, which will be called Into Gehenna. And I think that uh, not only will I rework um, all um, all of these songs, from the Arigihana album, as I have planned back in 2013, when I actually started to do this remake. Um, but I will also include in the final release. I will um, include bonus tracks, like Dark Singer, for example, uh, like uh, Dark Dancer, for example. That was a bonus track on the. 2016 release, but it was poorly mixed, it was poorly performed, so I think I will include it as a bonus track on this release, on this coming release. And there was another song that was called In the Dark, uh, which wasn't a song really, it was like a very weird um, cinematic kind of texture, um, very, um, you could very loosely call it a uh, song, it wasn't a song at all. A very strange piece, Uh, it was there too, and I will include that one too. And uh, I will see what other relevant uh, tracks I can include. Something that was not released before, something that I can properly mix nowadays, uh, put together even if it's short, small stuff, you know, just to make it interesting. So I will include that. And... uh, this is basically what I wanted to say about Dark Singer, and uh, I think I will write more about these tracks maybe uh, on Genius.com, where I have the lyrics published, the lyrics for all of these songs. Maybe I'll write it in annotations, maybe I'll be posting about this, maybe I'll just, you know, return to this topic and, you know, talk about this album sometime in the future or write blog posts or do something like this. Or if you want to know more, simply you can ask me, you can reach out to me uh, through Corelli at gmail.com and ask me uh, all the questions that you want to, uh, that you feel you want to ask me. And I think with that being said, I'm going to be wrapping up this episode. Of course, if you haven't heard any of my music before, I would want to invite you to check out my catalog on any a major streaming platform, be that Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon Music, YouTube, Deezer, whatever you name it. And if you're going to check out my YouTube channel, uh, which is my official artistic channel, which is my official artist channel, you might as well want to check out my Cat Vibes uh, series and my Cat Talk series. On the Cat Talk series, I'm talking about a lot of things and um, For the most part, it has nothing to do with music, but Cat Vibes. This is a playlist that I have uh, where uh, there is plenty of footage of me recording guitars, uh, recording vocals, you know, showing my process and that kind of stuff. So, if you're interested, check out my YouTube channel, Catherine Crowley. And um, also, I want to invite you to check out my other business, which is uh, Skin Health and Aromatherapy. So... um, we have wonderful oatmeal and honey soaps now we also have oatmeal honey cbd soaps Uh, these are all natural uh, skin health products Uh, not just any soaps and not just any shampoo bars not just any lotions these uh, products are medicinal they actually help treat eczema psoriasis acne dry skin rashes uh, scars and scratches and that kind of stuff. Our CBD infused soap, which is our newest arrival, helps with arthritis and pains and aches and that kind of stuff. So, uh, if you're interested, check out our um, check out our store at southerncaracal.com. Southern uh, from the word south and caracal c a r a c a l dot com. I have to name it like this, I have to pronounce, you know, spell it out, because for some odd reason, um, something changed about Anchor, about this platform, and it wouldn't allow me to put links in the description. So, I don't know if it's something that changed in the Apple policy, Uh, is it with Apple podcasts, or is it with Spotify podcasts, I have no idea, but anyways. um, uh, Check out our products, you can also go to my website, uh, catcorelli.com, C-A-T-C-O-R-E-L-L-I dot U-S. Uh, Check out my website. It has a link, by the way, to Southern Caracol as well. And uh, you can explore, you know, look around. And if you want to shoot me an email, shoot me an email. All right? So that being said, thank you very much for spending your time with me. I love you, and you'll hear me in the next episode.